Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show on The Voice of Islam Radio. Um, what's happening? What's happening around, uh, what's happening here in the UK? What's happening around the world? Um, we're going to be going to our new segment right now as well. Just to begin with, as we normally do anyway, uh, we talk about the weather. And uh, you know it's it's gone back cold to to what it was um, at the end of uh, the end of uh, December, um, minus degrees. Um, I don't think I've ever seen uh, you know it, it go to minus four, five, six, hmm. or even more than that um, before. It's but, been you know, a while. It's, it's been it's been a while. It's been hmm. a while. And then in December last year, at uh, the end of the December, we uh, we actually saw that. And then right now. Um, yesterday, today, tomorrow, just you know, this sort of this week mm. is going to be that same sort of weather as well. Um, I don't know if it's going to snow or not, but it's definitely going to be in minus. I mean, it's minus right now as well, yeah. minus two, minus one. Uh, so you know, the thing is, is that you know, sometimes it says it's minus one or two, but then the feel like mm. it feels like it's minus five, minus six. Or you know, much and it's, it's, less pre- than it's predicted with lows of minus eight uh, mm. on Tuesday night, and you know weather warnings of snow and um, ice have been issued. So right. for London, for London, for London, yeah. And uh, if it's if it's this cold in London, yeah. you know, up north it's much worse. Up north is yeah, much worse. I mean, uh, wherever wherever mm. it snows over here, if it does snow, mm. it snows much heavily in the north as well, yeah. Scotland, these you know the northern areas as well. Mm. <laughs> um, so you know if. If you like the snow, if you enjoy the snow, if you enjoy the cold, mm. the cold weather, you know, a lot of people enjoy it. it, it it's fun, uh, you know, it's but fun, for, yeah? for like a few hours. And then, it, you know, when it turns into sludge <laughs> or when it just stays there and, you know, mm. it just becomes a bit of a hindrance. Yeah. It's I, just one of those things, right? You can, you know, go out, uh, enjoy it in the snow, but mm. then you might end up falling ill. Hmm. Or you know, it's it's just going to become a hindrance for the next. You know, when the snow just wasn't going away when it snowed in yeah, December yeah, for about like two weeks, it wasn't going. It was away. just there. That's because it, the the temperature was staying in minus. Hmm. I mean, it it was zero minus, whatever it might whatever whatever the degrees it was, but it was staying cold. It was staying freezing literally, hmm. um, and uh, that's you know that's 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 the reason why. And I mean, if it snows right now, yeah. Um, it's still going to stay there. It's going to stay there for at least a week, mm. at, at least a week and a bit as well, a week ten days, um, because of the because of the drop in temperature as well. I mean, this is what we're seeing now, isn't it? This might be, this might be the norm now. Yeah. This might be, you know, it might not just be this year, mm. but it might happen next year. It might happen the. I mean, it might happen every year now. Mm. Um, you know, the winters are getting colder. The summer is getting hotter. You know, every single year there's a record that's broken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the oh, it's the most. It's the hottest day and the hottest temperature, hmm. and then this and that, and then now it's the it's the coldest temperature ever recorded. Um, uh, you know, it's it's you know every single year we're breaking these records, hmm. and if this doesn't tell you that you know there is a such thing as uh, as climate change or global warming, yeah. whatever you want to call it, yeah. right? It is definitely a thing which is hmm. happening. It is definitely happening. Hmm. Um, so you know those people, those nations, those you know some yeah, leaders and, as well. And also, don't you know, in, in terms of um, sorry to cut yeah. in, in terms of climate change and global warming, so um, the UK, yeah, is a very small island compared to the rest, of the, to the rest of the world. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know we speak so much about climate change. We do these cops and we do these summits and yeah, et cetera, these seminars et cetera, et cetera, and all of seminars, these marches but, and whatever. 
like even if every single person and all the you know the our population whatever 50 60 million or whatever it is mm. everyone you know changes their lifestyle and you know they produce zero carbon emissions yeah. it will it will not even be a drop in the ocean it won't do anything because you know the majority of the emissions and all of exactly. this that is coming is from all those poor people developing that, countries that it? are suffering yeah because they don't even have enough food that's the thing and that's the thing you know um take any of like the big uh take the leaders of their nations right hmm. on their mind you think like uh, that uh, you know these emissions and global warming and climate change you think even it's even in like the top 50 in in their list of like um agendas agendas or, yeah, or what to do festivals or whatever yeah exactly it's not <laughs> you know that's that's the thing isn't it that's the thing like you mentioned over here mm. in, in the UK we are a small island yeah and even if all of us do go you know have our you know our carbon footprint turns to zero mm. It's not you know it's going to be it's, it's going to make like one not even 1% not even 1% not even 1% difference because mm. you know let's face it we're a small country in <clears> Europe <throat> Europe is one of the smallest continents but right? we can lead by example you know and we can we may be a small island country we're mm. much better off than a lot of other countries mm. that are huge in numbers you know um, uh, uh, apparently a third of all um Uh, I believe it was um, homeless children or something like that. Right. A, a third of uh, children living in poverty hmm. are in India. Obviously, their population hmm. is over a billion people. Yeah, second you know, highest in the whole second world. highest in the whole world after China. Yeah, but um, you know that's just that's the case. That's the case. Isn't that's it? how it is. That's why you see. That's why you see. You know, New Delhi hmm. and all, all of these places. They is you have to wear a mask there because hmm. it's so dusty over hmm. there. You can't even see straight. You can't even see yeah. it properly. Even um, in China, th- yeah, literally the, the, in China as well. The smokes from the factories and stuff. Yeah, you can't breathe that air. You can't breathe that air. Yeah, mm. that's uh, you know that's harmful. Mm. Uh, it could be lethal uh, at times as well. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's it is important that yeah we we do talk about these things, but then, of course, you know, lead by example. Mm. The Western nations mm. lead by example, but mm. then. You know, help those developing countries as well. It's not exactly, just about exactly. it's not just about talking. Like about I said, we we can't difference. even if we change ourselves, we should. Yeah. We, obviously, we should, but of it's course, not going to make a difference. We need to help those countries to better themselves and you know be a global united front. Absolutely. To tackle this global problem. Absolutely. I mean, like you mentioned, that's that's quite right. It, it is a global problem. It mm. is a glo- global crisis. Yeah. And if we're talking about global warming or mm. climate change that's affecting everyone right yeah that's affecting everyone now if we're not helping those countries if we're not aiding those countries mm. or on one hand we are helping them but then we're telling them okay we're going to help you we'll help you with all of your problems but then you know whenever we say you have to come and you know fight for us yeah. you have to come and do this for us you have to come and do that for us it's sort of slavery as well isn't it mm. so it's helping someone because you want to help them genuinely. Yeah. It's not just about helping them and getting something uh you know later on as well. Uh or you know doing a favor for a favor. Mm. You know you know it's 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 sometimes we see that it's uh you know these nations mm. they're very very quick to to actually chain uh smaller nations as well or you know trap them under their you know under their belt as well. So it's uh, it, you know it is 
it is important that we talk about it, but then there has to be absolute justice in regards to mm. in regards to this as well. In, um, in terms of yeah. justice, you know, um, as we're speaking about the news, uh, you know, the strikes are going on. Again, strikes are going yeah, on. The yeah. NHS yeah. strikes, and you know, there's other strikes as well. The rail strikes, and you know, the bus strikes. Um, in terms of that, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, um, anywhere you see in the news. You know, the articles, the way they've spun the story is, you know, patients will be affected due to the strikes by the NHS staff. Mm. Or that's, oh, that's how they've worded oh, it. Yeah, the ambulance are having a strike yeah. and that's going to affect And they've, they've like brought yeah. the army in. Instead of, you know, just listening to the problem, mm. they're asking the, the, the um, union uh, reps or whatever, they're asking a 5% pay rise mm. in the nurses' pay, right? 5%. That's not a lot. They're not asking for a lot. Yeah. Five percent. Uh, they are like them. What making like th- say someone's making thirty three thousand. Five percent of that is um, an extra two and a half, two, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. A year, but obviously the amount of you know staff there is, it will be a big. Um, About one thousand six hundred. One thousand six hundred. Yeah. So it it will be a big uh, you know. Um, uh, amount that they will have to pay but you know who is answerable for all the money the the, the 30 odd something billion pounds they lost on track and trace mm. the billions of billions billions, yeah. billions. Not even 30, million, billions with a b <laughs> it was like 37 billion yeah. uh, the yeah. money they lost on you know um ppes that yeah, just went PPEs. to waste yeah. that was in the billions as well yeah or they went to their friends pockets yeah. who is responsible who is answerable mm. The government, we elected the government, mm. but you know they are um, doing. We elected the party, but the, we elected the, the, the party, not, not the, the leaders party, as such. <laughs> the party that has been in power for more than the last decade yeah. has just been running this country, mm. this nation, down. I mean, the thing is, is that what 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 can we do? Isn't mm. it? what can we do? Like you know, they say, oh, uh, during COVID. You know, we we did so good. We tackled this, uh, and mm. you know, the we 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 clapped for the NHS. Clapping, clapping for they, the for we the nurses. We called them key workers. Stuff. Yeah, we clapped for them. Yeah, but you know, those claps don't mean anything now. Yeah, yeah. Because it's now we, we, the say, way we're true. portraying them, portraying them in the media, in the news, is as if they are the ones to blame for the mm. pa- patients that will not be getting the care. Yeah. But they see no choice out. They see no way out but to, you know, unionize, but to uh, hold strikes, mm. which is their due right. It's not. It's not nice for anyone to ha- for having for having to go on mm. a strike mm. for you know for them to you because they they're not getting paid to, to strike. Exactly, they, they're missing out on their pay. But the thing is, the pay they're getting enough. It, it is not enough of mm. the work that they're doing, the yeah. extra hours they're having to put in, and um, the rise of li- living. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the the crisis, yeah, right. The yeah, inflation the that's just, yeah. that's going up. It's it's just it's not in line with that. And also, you know, it, it's it's it, it's Brexit as well, isn't mm. it? It's Brexit yeah. as well. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot a, a lot, lot of, of revenue was lost in Brexit. A lot of revenue was lost, and a lot of key workers were lost well. as well, mm. isn't it? A yeah. lot of people they they left. They're not, they're not. They left because they're not allowed to. You know, they were here on their work exactly. visa or the study visa exactly. or whatever. They they're not allowed to they work here down. anymore. Yeah, they had to leave. They had to leave. They were forced to leave. Mm. You know, all of these things come into come into play as well, and mm. all, all of the all of these things are a factor mm. that you know it's 
it's putting us all in a difficult difficult uh, position. And like I was like I was saying, no one actually wants to go out there and strike. Hmm. No one wants to do that. Hmm. So if they're being forced to do that, and literally every single person in the in the not every single person, but every single public sector, hmm. more or less, you know, you have ambulances, hmm. you have nurses, you have hmm. doctors, you have teachers as well. Hmm. Um, you know, you know, the Royal Mail, hmm. you know, train drivers as well. So from the whole spectrum, you have a lot of people who are going on strike multiple times, mm. not just once or twice, multiple times that as well. That means there is a flaw in the that system. That means there, there is something to be looked exactly. at, to be looked into. And you know the, yeah. Sorry, uh, the majority of uh, politicians, the members of parliament, yeah. uh, are like over 50 and they are male, mm. right? Yeah. So majority, um, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying like there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying obviously with uh, age comes experience as well. But of nowadays, course. you know, ev- um, the new generation, you know, some of the like 30, 40 year olds mm. that are in politics, you know, uh, if you listen to them, mm. if you listen to the way they debate, their views, their education, yeah. their background, they are highly qualified to do the job. Mm. And they will focus on it properly. And, you know, in, in, in my own personal opinion, mm. politicians shouldn't be allowed to have second jobs, especially with their salary being 84000 plus. Yeah. And they get bonuses. And, and, and they get bonuses uh, and they're allowed Literally. to, you know, claim whatever they do for their constituency, mm. whatever, you know, meetings, the whole trips they go on. They get to claim, yeah, well. they get to claim those expenses. So in my p- personal opinion... They should only focus because they do say it's a very you know tough, demanding job. That's why their pay is that much. Hmm. Then just focus then on that focus, one job. Why on do you have second? It's not like jobs? the pay is less. It's exactly. not like the money is less. That's not a problem. Exactly. Is it? But that's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing. And like you were saying, maybe it's a, maybe it's time for the new generation hmm. isn't to it? step the, in, to, yeah. to step in, to step in and do their you know do their bit as well. Hmm. And hopefully, you know, the the thing about the new generation is that they, I mean. It's, it's, this this term is looked down upon but I'm going to say it anyway mm. they're more woke mm. yeah and uh, they're, they're more aware mm. and uh, they, 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 they they want to make a difference mm. because they, they've seen a lot of people struggle they've seen mm. their maybe their friends their family yeah. members going through that that difficult time and they don't want that for you know for, for the wider public Rishi Sunak the Prime Minister of our country yes being a billionaire that he is mm. You really think he understands someone who's struggling to heat their home or having to decide between turning the heating on Mm. and, you know, paying for food, struggling to pay, you know, for their petrol to get to work. You really think that he can get into those shoes, into that mindset and really Mm. understand what that person's going through? In in this country, which was, you know, once a powerful empire, it had like, you know, conquered so many different countries, Mm. having, you know, uh, other island nations beneath, uh, like, yeah. Working I mean, for the them Commonwealth you have now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah you that, really think so? That's the thing. It is. It is. It is a difficult. It puts you into a difficult position, mm. and you don't really want to so answer was a these debate questions. Between but him, it's true. Uh, you know, obviously, there's always debates. You know, uh, in the um, House of Parliament, um, in the House of Commons, there was a debate going on, um, and then uh, he was speaking about how you know um, they want to you know like uh, as in kind of shut down strikes not mm. shut them down but because you know it's affecting yeah, 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 yeah. which is the right of the people mm. because it's affecting the patients mm. and um, it, you know the Tories were saying uh, yeah 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 like whatever yeah, he was yeah. speaking about uh, he was just speaking about how you know they will work on it and then um, there won't be like a patient overload and 
but then Keir Starmer, you know, mm. the later uh, Labour leader, mm. uh, you know, his whatever his views are, you know, sometimes he does could it be, could be a bit controversial yeah, as well. Sometimes can be very controversial. But uh, he spoke up and said, like, you know, under the Labour government that was previously, there were, like, none of this was going on, mm. right? And uh, no, there were no strikes. The, the patients weren't having to wait weeks upon weeks for their appointments. You go to A&E, you're going to have to sit there for, like, 10 hours. Mm. The nurse calls you in and, you know, they're like, say you've got a massive cut on your arm. It's so, dried by the time by, you yeah. go in and they tell you to go home and clean it yourself. Yeah, literally. Right? <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it's it? just the 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 country, the current situation of the country, is that it's basically upside down, and you know there's just just a massive ruckus. There's just many different shambles that are going on, and you know, <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. It, it is. It, it is. It our, is a shame. <laughs> but the thing is, is that there's always, there's always time for you know, there's always time for a change as well. Mm. There's always time for, for a revolution. And maybe mm. now is the time for that for that sort of turning point as well. Um, hopefully, hopefully it happens sooner than later as well when things get uh, or could get could get worse as well. Um, but obviously, you know, there are so many uh, so many good things which you know which the government uh, does as well, mm. helping helping out helping out people. Um, you know, stand up on their feet. A lot of you know the socials, the benefits, and all of these. Uh, things as well, um, so we can't we can't overlook uh, you can't overlook the good the good things as well. We're not saying we're not saying everything is all bad. Mm. What we are saying is that you know there's there's positives and negatives as well. Uh, but if you look at the facts and figures, you know we are going through a troublesome time as well, a difficult time, and especially um, you know the key workers as well having to having to go on strikes, being forced to go on strikes as well. You know that just tells us, you know, mm. if if this ha- hasn't been happen happening before, mm. then maybe there is something that needs to be changed as well right now in the policies and all of these uh, different things as well. Um, so it, it is something that the government, the officials, uh, definitely need to need mm. to look into as well. Um, you know, uh, inflation inflation has actually gone a little bit down as well, has actually eased to ten point five percent. According to official figures, which is uh, down from ten point seven percent in in November, hmm. uh, so that's uh, you, you know the inflation is going a little bit a little bit down, so point two percent. Hopefully, it does go down and down. When I mean, you see the uh, the petrol and diesel prices, the fuel prices, hmm. uh, I think I saw They're steadying around like yeah, one fifty, one fifty. Yeah, in some places, which yeah. is less than one fifty as well, one fifty, one fifty one. Uh, so that's there's some places in like right um, in towards central London side uh, it's like 142 143 as well mm, is it yeah 142 143 mm. that's uh, you know that's a good that's a good price mm. Mm. Um, at the moment but at the moment you know at the end of the day money mm. is a man-made construct man, man-made concept mm. which you know it as you know people rightly say money does make the world go round Money makes the world go round, yeah, right? of course. But uh, and you know, if you know, uh, if we really, nearly, you know, print a lot of money, you know, mm. uh, or just give everyone a lot of money out there, uh, the economy would collapse, right? Uh, but you know, um, these con- uh, these companies, oil companies, these politicians, you know, they're making record profits, mm. right? Uh, having multiple jobs, making record profits, not paying enough tax. 
doing tax cuts, you know, having offshore accounts, mm. all of this uh, unfairness, all of this injustice, all of this corruption, it needs to be stopped. And you know, one of the main things, the reason it is in place is because people have have lost, you know, um, the, the, the path, the will to turn to, to their creator mm. in the time of need. Yeah. Right. That's true. And they they That's just right. rely on their on their, you know their, their minds, their wit, and you know, they 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 just you know b- before uh, um, in my opinion or you know even if you look at uh, the world today, not just in my opinion, people were a lot more religious. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Now you see you know churches, empty churches, empty mosques even, um, they're just like abandoned buildings. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's it. It is true. Mm. It is true. When people forget, when people forget their Creator, when people forget mm. uh, God Almighty, and they turn, they don't resort to Him for mm. their problems, mm. um, whatever the problems may be, and they think that of themselves as being, um, you know, sufficient. Yeah. That's when you know. That's when the problems coming. That's when the ego comes in. That's when they tr- start to um, become uh, unjust as well. So it's uh, it, it puts us all into a very very difficult position as well. Um, with that, I think we'll uh, conclude the the news segment for this morning's show. We're going to be taking a very short break, and right after that, uh, we'll come back and then we will go into our our first segment, which is about uh, you know as, as we are going through a troublesome time and people are struggling genuinely. Neighbors are actually coming out and uh, stepping up to actually help those people, their neighbours as well. Um, we'll talk about that after the break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The root of everything good is taqwa. In whatever action this root is upheld, that action will never be devoid or futile. It is necessary too that you be tried by being thrown into diverse griefs and distresses as those before you were tried. Therefore be forewarned lest you stumble when the time comes. The earth with everything in it can inflict no injury on you provided your contact with heaven is firm. Whenever an injury comes to you, it will only come from your own hands. If all honour on this earth is lost to you, God will give you an honour in heaven that shall never wane. Therefore do not leave him, whatever you may have to go through. You are bound to be persecuted in diverse ways, and many of your hopes will be denied to you. But in such cases you should not grieve, for the Lord your God shall take you through trials to test whether or not you remain firm. The Protector the one who guards all from danger. He sends down the angels with revelation by his command on whomsoever of his servants he pleases, saying, 
warn people that there is no God but I, so take me alone for your protector. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, well, the gist of the story is that more of us are, as more of us are struggling and going through a difficult time, um, the need. Um, the need for support is increasing as well. Um, Neighborhood Watch is stepping stepping up as uh, four fifths, which is eighty percent of members think that local people look after each other in their area. Um, during this uh, during this time, um, you know, as we, we we spoke a little bit about this as well in the news in the news topic as well that. We are, I mean, a lot of us are actually struggling. We are going through a difficult time. We are going through, we can sort of say an unprecedented uh, time as well in terms of, in terms of the struggles, the inflation rates, the, the, you know, the, whatever avenue, whatever way that you look at it, we are going through a difficult time. Now, how has crime in the UK been affected after the pandemic or with the recent rise of inflation? Of course, that was it was something which was um definitely going to be affected as well and a lot of people are struggling because of because of this because of crime because of um these things as well now during the during the lockdowns the um incidents of many of many types of crimes have actually decreased and these include thefts and also robberies and this has this has then been followed by a return towards not to normal levels once lockdown had uh, had ended as well. And other types of crime, however, such as you know fraud um, and computer-related crime, have uh, not followed the same lockdown pattern as well. Um, obviously, because you, you know, people are you know you don't need to go outside; it's just online. Uh, everything was being done online. Yeah. Uh, you know, people were studying online. People were doing their jobs from home online. So obviously, the you know the cyber crime hmm. obviously would go up. Yeah. Uh, the crime survey illustrates a 32% increase in fraud cases in the year which ended in June 2021 hmm. and it was going to you know it was going to go up anyway when if there's inflation in, in place if everything hmm. is so expensive hmm. people aren't getting paid enough people yeah. aren't even getting jobs as well hmm. then obviously a lot of people are going to be frustrated yeah. If you've got a degree, if you've gone to college, if you've gone to university, mm. if you have a degree, if you have all of these um, qualifications, mm. but still you're not getting the job that you who, that you signed up for, you're not getting the job that you want. Yeah. In fact, you're not even you're not even getting a a, a job which is remotely close to your qualification, mm. to your degree, mm. to your masters or whatever. Then you're gonna get you're gonna think about it. You're gonna say, okay, I've spent three, four, five, seven years in this, hmm. and I'm not even getting a, getting a proper job. Yeah, of course that that's gonna cause tensions as well. But obviously, you have other people hmm. who who maybe don't have a job, or they're working they're working in retail, or they're working, um, you know, the the you know the key workers maybe, or they're working anywhere else. They 
they they sometimes you see they're struggling to make ends meet hmm. they're they're getting frustrated as well and this all of these things some people it would lead to you know committing crimes yeah burglary theft all of these things as well hmm. um shoplifting pickpocketing all hmm. of these things that actually it comes into play because people are not getting paid enough um that's you know that's that's you know that's no, I think there's, a, there's a very small amount of people that start off on these uh, you know little things like shoplifting or you know burglaries because just for the thrill of it or just because they want to do it they are backed into a corner they have you know their circumstances essentially demand so they see that they there's no way out they see that's the only choice they have and that's what leads them down the wrong path and then they end up doing much worse stuff hmm. but you know that is the harsh reality which does need to be looked into and you know properly understood and uh, properly prevented you know there's a lot of like different workshops and stuff in place for this um that people can go to people can attend hmm. like you know these reformation workshops yeah uh but you know for now uh we do have online with us our first guest of the morning um Sherry Peck Sherry Peck is on hold with us uh who is a CEO at London based charity Safer Safer London Safer London works with young Londoners and their families affected by violence and exploitation covering violence in the community criminal explo- exploitation such as county lines and sexual exploitation and abuse good morning peace be upon you and a welcome to the breakfast show good morning good morning thank you for inviting me it's it's a pleasure to have you on uh just to begin with could you please give us some background on what safer london is and what your what the aim of uh it is and as an organization Absolutely yes and you did quite a good job at explaining what we do as as an introduction really so at Safer London we work in every London borough yeah. and we work with children and young people and their families that are affected by violence and exploitation and that can be any form of violence and any form of exploitation criminal sexual they can be um seen to be demonstrating perpetrator type behaviors hmm. but they can also be victims to any of this um our aim as an organization is to support children and to make london a safer place for everybody else yeah definitely that's that's you know it's great work that you guys are doing and you know Thank um you. why is there a need to like achieve this goal uh you would say for example you know are, are there any st- statistics you could share with us regarding uh, rising crime rates in london Yeah, I'm always a little bit um they say statistics can can tell lies. You can always pull a statistic out of your hat that can prove mm. anything. Mm. Um so rather than talk about statistics, I think um what I'd like to talk about is really the the issues and drivers behind violence and exploitation. Yeah. What we know and there's lots of academic evidence that proves this mm. is that as inequality grows, so as the difference between rich and poor grows yeah, yeah. and as social injustice increases hmm. then actually what we find is that more of Londoners and in particular young Londoners find their lives restricted it impacts the whole family yeah. it isolates young Londoners and they 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 are experiencing more and more harm outside the home hmm. than probably when I was growing up as a young Londoner 
Um, so very often we will work with children and young people who've experienced violence but may not have ever reported that to the police. Yeah. So the notion that you can look at statistics, you know, crime statistics or what have you, and that gives you the answer, I, I think um, can be misleading. So I would say that the drivers for violence, so we're going in, you know, we're in a period of desperate austerity, hmm. um, and that children and young people are getting less and less opportunities. When I always say when I was a young person growing up in London, there was plenty of accommodation. There was plenty of jobs. Hmm. You know, I'm a working class girl from Forest Gate. Yeah. And, and yet, I think if you spoke to young people in Forest Gate now, they wouldn't have had the opportunities that I had many years ago. So the issue really is the drivers for hmm. violence that we need to look at. So some of that wider wider stuff, really. And you know, we all know that social injustice is, is increasing. And that impacts on children's life chances. Definitely. Uh, could you tell us a bit of work that you do with young people and their peers? Yes, certainly. So anybody can um, refer themselves into Safe London, and if people want to visit our website, it's very clear how you can do that, either by the telephone or actually online. And then um, once we've got that referral, and assuming that these issues are affecting your life, you'll be allocated um, a caseworker. Now, we there's about... And any one time, there's about 70 or 80 of us working at Safe London. And so we've got quite a, a, a range of people um, mm. that reflect London's demographics, if you like. So we've got, you know, we've got um, male Muslim workers, female Hindu workers. We've got black workers, um, white workers, people from the LGBTQ community. So hopefully... Um, the reason we, we have such a, a mixture of people is that what we know is that young people only engage with people that they feel are credible yeah. and that they, they can trust. Yeah. So very often the best way of establishing that is actually realising that someone knows a little bit about the life that you're living. Hmm. So young people are, are given a caseworker and um, that caseworker will work with the young person around what the issues are but child or the young person identifies we're not a statutory service so there's no obligation mm. if after a few weeks people go oh, no i'm not liking that nobody's going to force anybody to be involved with us so we really have to work hard to make sure that it's something that the child the young person or the family feel is beneficial and then we'll work alongside and walk alongside that child or young person for up to two years to, mm. to support them whatever the issues may be so they may have been being groomed into county lines mm. it might be girls and young women that are being exploited online yeah and we will work with them and the first thing we do is we try to establish their safety because until people feel safe you actually can't begin to do any of the other work and and that safety is both physical safety, emotional safety, safety amongst their... And then we also as well try to work with them and advocate on some of the key issues. So if they're no longer in school, we will work to, to get them back into school. Hmm. If they're looking for employment, we'll work to support them around their employment. We've got special... ...that will work with people around um, emotional well-being and mental health, hmm. housing drug and alcohols, employment and education, as well as a few other topics. Um, and, and we support them to achieve the aims that they want to achieve. So, yeah. um, And we will also, as well, when we can, funnily enough, it's one of the services that we have that's always at 
absolute capacity, but we also have family workers. Because the one thing that we know from harm outside the home is the family are usually the biggest safeguarding factor. So if we can support the family, we, we are strong believers that families and communities are the best place for the support to be. So if we can support the family, the mm. family then do a really good job of supporting their own children. They know them best, after all, and yeah. they're going to be there for forever. Yeah. And um, do you guys also, you know, obviously you must work with victims, but do you guys also work with oppressors? So f- say, for example, if someone came to you, you know, and uh, confessed something like a crime or something, would you report them or would you encourage them to turn themselves in? Or would you, you know, yeah. take them down the path of reform? Well, I think, I mean, that's a really interesting question. And the first thing is when people talk to me about this sort of victim oppressor or victim perpetrator, I quite often say that that, that, that divide is really unhelpful. Hmm. But actually, if you look at many of the children and young people we're, we're working alongside, hmm. um, they might come to us demonstrating what we... So we will talk about children that demonstrate perpetrator behaviours. So from the outside, they look like they're perpetrators. They yeah. may be shoplifting, they may be carrying weapons, what, whatever the issue is. Hmm. Um, so we would say, from the outside, they look like they're perpetrators. Um once you get to know that child mm. and can see the the trauma and the issues that that child has faced and very often what that child's family has mm. faced as no well, most definitely um they must be you know, you know, a victim of circumstance absolutely um and the bottom line is is that obviously if someone comes to us and says either they are about to perpetrate a crime Hmm. And that it's a very serious crime. If someone said to me, oh, on my way home, I'm going to go and steal a bag of crisps from the supermarket, yeah. I'm not going to get involved in that. Hmm. Um, of course <laughs> we're not, you know, because hmm. that's... But if somebody actually um, confessed something huge to us, yeah. we would talk to them about actually what the next steps for them could be. Hmm. So we certainly don't have a hotline to the Metropolitan Police. Yeah. Um, but... As I say, I think we look at people in a very different way. Um, and I would say 100% of the young people that come to us, whether they've been referred because they're a victim mm. or whether they've been referred because someone thinks they're a perpetrator, mm. all, 100% of them have had some real struggles and trauma in in their in their history. And very often, some of the families, mm. you know, very often we find children where perhaps they're not getting... Um, mum's not there when they get in from school because mum's having to do four jobs to to afford to pay the rent you know and then that makes those children really easy to groom and get involved in say county lines because there's no adult keeping um a watchful eye on them because people are so desperate to be paying bills and earning enough money to 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 buy food Mm. so we are really non-judgmental but we don't break the law i think is the answer to that yeah Absolutely, absolutely. Sherry, what what support do you do you offer young Londoners uh, and their families as well? And obviously, when you when you do that, what positive impact has that has that had on them? Yeah. Um, well, as I say, they'll get a caseworker, and that might be somebody we might work with. Someone, for example, a young person and their family that need to flee violence because of their accommodation and we'll support them to work through the housing system to not only both move that household, but we then may help mum to reintegrate the children into new local schools, um, 
we we so so we can be advocates for really whatever the families feel might help them keep safe. Um, we also do one-to-one work with the children, so we'll talk to them about what healthy relationships look like. Um, we might talk to children about um, consent or the law or your rights if you're stop and searched. It really does. It's a really bespoke offer mm. for each child. We had an evaluation, an independent evaluation of our work um, that demonstrated we're on the right road. We never think that we are, we've got all of the answers, but it showed that at least 50% of the children when they left working with Safer London were no longer, they would say they were no longer victims to anything. And around one in four, one in five of every child that stopped um, when they finished working with us um, were no longer involved in any serious crime. So, you know, we've still got a long way to go. We're not saying that we we can cure everything. But Mm. given the serious nature um, of the issues that some young people are involved in, we're we're hopeful that we're on the right track. So it's had some really positive impact. Um, Everything from children and young people that were no longer in school, now on their way to university, in employment, no longer being abused and exploited, you know, back in school, reintegrated into families. Um, the one thing that I do say, though, is that the work we do is it's really difficult, it's really complex, and you don't get fantastic outcomes quickly. Mm-hmm. People have to trust you before they work alongside you. So, you know, quite often, if I'm speaking to my colleague at Safe London, they'll say, oh that child that we were talking about, X, Y, and Z, and they're now back in school and they're just taking their JCEs, I always say to my colleagues, hold on to that because, you know, we have positive days, but we also have negative days as well, sadly. Mm. Because it's a really brutal climate at the moment for children and young people in London. You know, and let's not think, the other thing that I would say is so many people think, ah, this is about young black boys or it's about working class kids or what have you. It's affecting all of our children in London right now. Mm. You know, we really do need to be aware of the fact that um, things are really tough for children and young people in London. Yeah, I mean, we do. We really do, uh, you know, appreciate all the good work that you guys are doing and hopefully it does make a, a I mean, it does make a positive impact uh, let's just hope that increases uh, as well. But obviously, like you mentioned, it is a long and arduous uh, yes. task as well. And like you said, also that mm. they have they have to earn. I mean, they have to trust you as well, uh, mm. as well. So that's a difficult that's a difficult process to actually Absolutely. go into as well. Sherry, it's been Absolutely. an absolute pleasure speaking to you this this morning. Thank you so much for contributing to our show. Um, thank You're you so much. You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Sherry Peck, who is a CEO at London-based charity Safer London, and uh, that actually helps, uh, you know, focuses on young Londoners and their families as well who are exploited mm. and uh, affected by different things uh, as well. Yeah. Um, so it is a good work that it's some good work that these guys are actually doing as well and helping, mm. helping London, helping their neighbours, helping the community at large to actually, um, you know. I mean the troubles that they're going through, the the, the problems that they're facing. Hmm. It is someone to you know. It is a charity that actually helps them as well get back on their feet, hmm. um, get back on track. Hmm. Uh, but it is you know it is a difficult task as well. It is um, quite uh, you know uh, you know a very difficult task hmm. um, for that to, for them to do in the first place.
Um, we're going. We're going to be uh, speaking a little bit more about this uh, after the news break uh, as well. We'll continue this topic as well, um, and also we will talk about what Islam says in regards to in regards to the rights of neighbors and how much Islam lays emphasis on giving uh, neighbors their rights as well, giving them their rights, and also uh, how we should treat our neighbors as well so it is uh, going to be very interesting we're going to be we're going to be speaking to uh, our our next guest uh, as well hopefully and uh, and then uh, like i mentioned we'll talk about we'll talk about what islam says and islam's take uh, in regards to this so, so don't go anywhere we'll be back after the news break which is just uh, coming right now Allah. Allah. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful, welcome back to the Breakfast Show, dear listeners. You know, as uh, we were discussing our first segment of the morning, um, more of us are struggling and neighbours are stepping up to help. And in regards to that topic, we do have on uh, we, the line with us our second guest of the morning, Deborah Waller who is uh, from Neighbourhood Watch Network. She is the Head of Communications for Neighbourhood Watch Network. She has over 20 years of experience in internal and external communications within charities and in running a childcare business uh, within her local community. Neighbourhood Watch Network is the umbrella charity that supports neighbourhood watch groups and members across England and Wales. Deborah has been in position for three years, supporting communities to connect with each other, to celebrate the good times and support each other through the bad times, such as the current cost of living crisis. She lives in Chertsey with her partner and two teenage boys. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thank you and peace be upon you too. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's a pleasure to have you on. could you just tell us a little bit about Neighbourhood Watch, uh, the scheme when it was introduced and what the main purpose for its initiation was? Yeah, actually Neighbourhood Watch has got a very interesting history to it. Um, and it started in New York City when there was a violent stabbing um, of a lady called Kitty Genovese. And what happened is that there was um, tw- 38 witnesses that did absolutely nothing when they saw or heard it. So this prompted an inquiry into what was known as the bystander effect. And from there, the first community response formed into the first neighborhood watch. And that was in 1964. And I think in 1982, there was um, something on TV that, that showed what happened in New York City. And this was viewed by a number of people in different areas. And they started neighborhood watch on the ground here in the UK um, because there was a series of burglaries. It's quite interesting because in New York City, it began in response to violence against women and girls. And here in the UK, it began in response to a series of burglaries. And it's really effective at addressing and preventing both of those things and all sorts of crimes now. Hmm. That's really interesting. And, you know, how, how does Neighbourhood Watch reduce crime and protect communities? Like, what, what are the benefits of the scheme? Well, Neighbourhood Watch is all about connecting your community And I think across England and Wales, we've got so many different types of communities. And it's about understanding 
what's important and what matters to your community, getting those people together, discussing those issues, and then as a community coming up with a way to help to um, ensure that that community feels safer and is safer. Um, it's largely around crime prevention, but it's also around really connecting communities and reducing isolation, reducing loneliness, um, helping us really feel and just be safer and, and be proud of the place where we live. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. And you know, um, uh, me, uh, I, I personally am from Pakistan myself, and uh, back in our country, you know, we have these. Um, uh, people, they are they essentially their job at night, especially they walk around and uh, they they get paid for it as well. They walk around mm. the neighborhood, you know, um, with the, they they might be even armed just to you know take care of the neighborhood and you know they um, just to look out for any um, bad people that you know are wanting to commit burglaries or th- uh, theft or anything like that. In in, in yeah. other countries, they have uh, this this system in place as well. And that happens here as well. We've got um, an active community that does patrols up in Birmingham. Hmm. Um, and they they really um, amazing at helping people feel safer. There's other examples as well um, on a smaller scale of really what they can do. I mean, just last week I heard of somebody who got a call from the local A&E department and the patient was brought in with a fractured hip and they needed help to contact this lady's next of kin. Hmm. And she had none, but hmm. she was a neighbor watch member and as soon as the wheel turned, three hours later, you know, her dog was walked, her house was checked, and the mm. network of a neighbor, neighbor's assistance was put in place. So, you know, it really helps in a wide range of preventing crimes and supporting communities to be stronger and be more resilient and, you know, just helping people in general. Definitely. I think these, these days our families often are more dispersed. Mm. And it's around that old proverb of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I was thinking of what Sheree said earlier around the importance of looking after children and work in London. Hmm. And and that means a whole community of people must provide for and interact positively with children, with each other, Hmm. in order to kind of raise that next generation to kind of be safer. And I think that's so important. Such a part, part of community, yeah. Most definitely. And uh, how can we encourage our listeners to be a part of, you know, Neighbourhood Watch and take action against witness crime? That's that's a very good question. I mean, I would start with literally just saying hello to your neighbour. It's the simplest step that you can do. And if you haven't yet, you know, start with hello and start with building that connection, get to know each other. And once you... Once you start that discussion, you can find out what really matters, what's important to them, because each community is a bit different. Hmm. And it may be around looking after each other's property when you go on holiday. It might be around, um, you know, we know antisocial behavior is quite high. Um, so litter picking around the community, it helps take pride in the community. So it's about finding what really, or as you mentioned, street patrols, yeah. finding what really matters to that community. And then understanding what people can give. So some people would be more um, unable to give up their time and others are more willing. So understanding mm. what their skills and what they what they give. As a community, form that plan. I mean, we, we always encourage people to register. Once you get a group going, register on our website because nationally we can provide you with the support and ideas and you know examples of what works in different ways in different areas. Mm. Um, but the first step is, is really talking to your neighbour, saying hello, and starting that discussion about what's important to them. Mm, definitely. 
thank you so much for joining us this morning. You know, it's great work that you guys are doing out there. And, uh, you know, may you continue to do the great work and uh, may it better the lives of everyone around us. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, for now, take care and have a good morning. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So you know, it, it's important that mm. it's important that we that we come outside, mm. help help our neighbors. Just you know, <coughs> take the first step. Just say hello to, just like she said, just say hello to your neighbor. Absolutely. And you know, she was talking about litter picking as well. You know, our community is uh, our uh, MD Muslim community as well. So, you know, they do especially a lot of these activities such as you know homeless feeding, litter picking. Mm. We go out into the community and you know try and. Um, you know, just be a part of the community. Be a part of the community, give back to the community mm. as well. Um, when it comes to uh, what Islam <coughs> says in regards to this as well, um, in chapter 4, verse 37, Allah the Almighty states, And worship Allah, and associate not with Him, and show kindness to parents, and to, the, and to the kindred, and orphans, and the needy, and to the neighbor that is a kinsman, and the neighbor that is a stranger, and the companion by your side, and the wayfarer, and those whom your right hand possesses. Surely Allah loves not the proud and the boastful. This means that, you know, it, 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 it gives us a code of uh, code of conduct. It mm. tells us that, you know, all of these different things, uh, all of these different people are there for us to look out for. We need to look out for these people. We need to give them their due rights. We need to, we need to make sure that their rights are, are being met as well. Um, and also... Uh, helping our neighbor, helping those people who are living in you know a close proximity to us, or in you know n- not just the immediate, immediate vicinity, but also um, it's also said that oh, I mean the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He has said that you know your neighbor is not just the person who's living on your right or your on your left or your front. Um, you know, forty houses that can be clued, included into you know who your neighbor is as well. Mm. So it's you know if if forty houses, if you look at your house, forty houses to your left, forty houses to your right, forty houses in front of you, behind you, that's a whole. That's a very big pr- uh, pr- uh, perimeter. Mm. And if we try to try our best to take care of our neighbors, and everyone does that, you know that whole neighborhood, that whole town, that whole city. Eventually, that whole country would be a you know a very a very peaceful a very peaceful place to be living into as well. Now there was a companion who actually came to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he asked him, you know how how can I judge that I'm a good person and you know whatever I'm doing is uh, you know is correct and you know if I'm if I'm a bad person how would I actually know? And the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that he told him that you know if your neighbor is you know, giving this testimony that you're a good person, you take care of uh, of uh, you know people's rights, you give back to the community, you're a good person, you have good morals, then think that you're that you're a good person and you're you're on the right track. But if your neighbor says that you know you're a bad person, you're you do bad things, you're you're too loud, um, you know you you disturb the peace, you disrupt uh, people's uh, people's emotions, you you're not a good person, your conduct is not good. The way of living is not good, and you're not a good person in general. Then, then know that, you know, you're you're not a good person, because your neighbors are there all the time. Mm. You live with your neighbors. I mean, mm. you, if if your neighbor is saying that you're a good person, then you definitely, you know, you, there is something that you're that you are doing which is which is right. Yeah. But if you're if you're a bad person, if your neighbor says that you're a bad person, then you know there's something to look into, uh, as well. 
um, you know, you, taking care of your neighbor is so important in Islam that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he once mentioned that, you know, he got he 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 even said that he has received so many teachings or commandments about the rights of your neighbors, so much so that he thought that you know the the neighbors will be included into the heirs. So you know, if if one person passes away, hmm. you know the you, the property goes goes to the heirs, goes to the children, goes hmm. to their wives, goes to the uh, the family members, right? Yeah. And he said that he he, he thought. Hmm. Because the rights of neighbors are so much included hmm. into the teachings of Islam that he thought that the neighbors will be included into the heirs hmm. as well. Hmm. That just goes to show how much we need to take care of our neighbors as well. We can't just we can't just say, oh, let's just you know let's put up the music so loud. Doesn't hmm. matter what the neighbors say. Let's hmm. just do whatever we want. Park in their driveway. Hmm. Park in front of their house or hmm. do these different things or put our bin in you know mm. in their in their in their garden or whatever mm. we need to take care of our neighbors as well Definitely. and this is very very much important very much in line with the teachings of Islam as well as Islam teaches the rights of God almighty and of course the rights of mankind mm. and this is uh, very much in terms of the rights of mankind as i mentioned your neighbors are always going to be there mm. you you live with your neighbors mm. you're always going to see them mm. But sometimes it's sad to, to, to it's sad to say that we don't even know who our neighbors are. Mm. We don't, we, you know, we never, we never talk to them. We never actually, you know, take our time out even to say hi to them. Mm. So it's it's it, you know, there's always there's always something to actually learn uh, uh, as well. And hopefully now, um, as I spoke to our guests as well, there's a, 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 you know, some good work that these guys are doing as well. These charities helping uh, helping our neighbors helping those people who are going through difficult times as well. Mm. Um, we'll draw a conclusion to, to this part of the show and uh, we'll be taking a very short break. Right after, when we actually come back from the uh, from the break as well, we'll be talking about, um, we'll be talking about um, some other things as well. We're talking about the, the next segment, which is uh, about the, you know, the blessed, uh, the blessed and responsible role of, uh, of grandparents to children as well, which is going to be very, very interesting. And we'll talk about that after the after the break. There's a short audio clip uh, which we will actually listen to uh, uh, as well right now. Regardless of whether our neighbors are Muslims or non-Muslims, it is our religious duty to care for them, to fulfill their rights, and to ensure we do not cause any problems or difficulties for them. This is not a favor on our part, but our basic religious duty. In fact, the Prophet of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, said that Allah the Almighty had emphasized the importance of discharging the rights of one's neighbors so fervently to him that he began to think that, the, that perhaps they would be included amongst a person's rightful. He's the king of the kings and indeed is the master of the Day of Judgment. He is the Lord of all creation. The master of the Day of Judgment is one who runs the affairs of the masses according to his will. Malik, master, is one who has total possession of creation and has this possession without the help of any partnership and that 
this is not applicable to anyone but Allah. Unlike a Malik, king, from whom one seeks everything, the term Malik, master, denotes that God is responsible for everything, including food, reward, and punishment. The rule of God is not like any kingship of this world. Rather, it has total ownership and control. God has expounded the good and the bad deeds to us and has given us free will in this world and has told us that He has the right to punish and that the decision to punish or forgive is with Him. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, said, that the attribute of Master of the Day of Judgment demands that we turn to Him with extreme and utmost humility, sincerity, and meekness. Those who turn to Allah in the manner of a completely helpless and powerless person and do actually and genuinely believe in their utter incapacity as they submit, find beneficence, from this divine quality. Malik is a quality of deed that promotes and advocates a profusion of mercy and compassion. However, how can man imbibe this divine attribute on a human level? Adopting mastership means that man may do justice and may avoid evil. In this capacity, he also overlooks others' wrongs, either out of mercy, compassion, or forgiveness. These human qualities only come to the fore when one is in authority and possesses control over something. One's good moral qualities and courtesy only come into focus when one is given status. An awareness of the attribute of Malikiyat turns one heart tender with the awe of punishment and thus generates a true insight. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, welcome back to The Breakfast Show, dear listeners. We are, you know, now moving on to our second segment of the show, The Blessed and Responsible Role of Grandparents to Children. In a time where countries aim to reduce unemployment and many are blessed with jobs, work and other responsibilities, how are we developing as a society and giving time to our children? An article recently describes grandparents being the invisible glue that holds the broken childcare system together. According to Ian Barnett, founder of the National Grandparent Movement Society, has left grandparents behind. They think that once you turn over 50, you don't have a voice or anything to say that's not true, he told Sky News. Grandparents... Uh, grandchildren possibly will share things with their grandparents they may not share with their parents, which is a growing trend. 
He said that many grandparents want to make a valuable contribution towards their grandchildren's lives and they want to be able to share their thoughts. Uh, and it is an, uh, important that grandparents share stories and insights with their children, with their grandchildren, no matter what a age they are. You know, this is uh, just a brief uh, uh, summary of uh, this this segment that we will be discussing. We do have online with us our guest of the morning. Yeah, uh, we'll be speaking to Arshad Ahmadi, who is the director of uh, Seacross Pharmaceutical. Uh, company limited and he has uh, served in numerous capacities within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well which uh, which includes uh, secretary publications for over 20 years as well peace be upon you good morning and welcome to the show thank you so much thank you so much for joining us this uh, this morning Uh, to begin with please could you tell us uh, tell our listeners what role you play as as, as a grandparent well, uh, I think uh, to summarize it, I think I, I'm sure you and they see the Oscars handed out. You have the main role, and then you have one in a supporting role. Mm. I think that's what the grandparents are are in a supporting role to the parents themselves. Mm. So mm. that's what I would say would be the role of the grandparent. Mm-hmm. Um, very comprehensive. Uh, what, what did your What did your grandparents play uh, in your in, in your upbringing, sort of? Well, you know, my grandparents they were born in India before the partition, and they came over to East Africa. So we were living in Kenya, so we we're quite a distance apart. So we didn't see them often enough. Mm. But when we did used to go, we we so much look forward to it. That you know, uh, the love just grew and grew, and uh, but now the dishes are much closer, and you know the regular contact with your grandparents on WhatsApp, or to telephone, or they live in the same city even. Mm. So I think the uh, that aspect has changed, and I think the social media has close brought them much closer together now. Mm. Uh, but I think I would like to perhaps start uh, with mentioning. The role of Hazrat uh, Abu Muttalib, the death of the parents of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was the first one who looked after the after Hazrat Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It wasn't the uncle or any aunt; it was the grandfather. So I think the grandfather has a great responsibility in taking care of grandchildren. Absolutely. To some extent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. The the way that your uh, grandparents, um, you know, sort of uh, treat you, and the way that they, your, your, I mean, the way that your upbringing was uh, when they were there, is that sort of the same way that you, sort of the same style as the way that you're grandparenting as well at the moment? Well, it's uh, I think very difficult to answer in a in a small time, but I will let you know that. Uh, um, how you brought up your own children mm. reflects on how your grandchildren will be brought up by them. Mm. So it's very important in the, in the initial instance to make sure that you have given good to your, to your own children and that they become parents themselves, that they are also able to you know, give that, uh, pass on that legacy to their, to their children. So that role becomes much easier and much able to understand. 
The first thing I would say for grandparents, apart from being a supportive role, is to pray for them. The prayer that we have on wedding cards and at uh, uh, wedding events, make them the, uh, the, the light of their eyes. Mm. This is what I pray in every prayer, every day. Mm. You know, and this is what is needed to fulfill your role as a parent or a grandparent to evoke this prayer that's in Surah Al-Baqarah uh, on a daily basis and make sure that you do pray for you. Because without prayer, you can do anything you like, but you will not succeed. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I was just going to bring in that um, that as well. How how do you sort of incorporate Islamic teachings uh, into your role as a, as a grandparent? Well, as I said uh, earlier, that the main role is the responsibility of the parents. They are the ones who do the main training and the tarbiyat of their children. The grandparents are there to support their children and their grandchildren and love them and shower them with love. Because that is what needed. Because parents are, they admonish their children, they reprimand their children, and also obviously they love them. Hmm. But that is their role. But the grandparents mainly, they love their grandchildren to bits. Hmm. My my life changed when I first became a, a grandparent over 20 years ago. Hmm. Our life was turned upside down. We couldn't wait to see our grandchild. Hmm. So that's of, you know, the distance that was there we wanted to close that down and much get closer to them so i think that's very important because my grandfather see now some people some children are lucky they have two sets of grandparents mm. maternal grandparents and paternal grandparents yeah. and my my grandchildren on both both my son's family are fortunate to have both sets mm. and we it's not a competition to win their love uh to get their extra love yeah. Act naturally, and give what they be, take interest in your grandchildren. The education, I go and watch my grandchildren play. I go to the ishtamas. You know, little things like these go a long way in, in in making that bind stronger with your with your grandchildren by mm. showing them that you care for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we discussed your role and responsibilities, you know, as a as a grandparent. From your experience, we would also like to know, you know, how the role of a grandfather varies from that of a, of a grandmother. Mm. Well, uh, you know, credit where credit is due, mm. and I think you, most of the listeners will agree that it is the mother who does the hardest work. Mm. Yeah. And because she's the one who gives given birth to child, and she knows the pain that the mother has gone through, that her child has gone through. Mm. So I think what she feels is different. As I said, the grandfather is normally there as a supporting role, supporting them wherever. But it is the grandmother who really binds the family together, and uh, you know make make you go forward uh, with that. You know, for example, you know uh, my grandfather. He used to come and watch me play tennis because he was a tennis player himself. Mm. And when we went to on holiday to Dar es Salaam where they lived, he took us to swimming in the Indian Ocean after Fajr prayer. Mm. So he, he loved to include us, and I now I include my grandchildren in all my activities. We like to go on holidays together, so that you know we are all part of one family. Mm. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for for your experience uh, uh, as well, Shahid uh, Ahmadi. Thank you so much uh, once again, and uh, have a lovely day. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. Wa So that was Shahid uh, Ahmadi, who is the director of Seacross Pharmaceuticals uh, and has served in numerous capacities within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community uh, as well. And uh, you know, it's it is. Uh, it is, uh, you know, being a being grandparent. Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm not a grandparent, but mm. still, grandparents they they do love their, you know, their their grandchildren as well. Sometimes you see that maybe you feel as if they love them more than mm. their actual children as well. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you know, yeah. um, they uh, if to be a grandparent, most likely your children have grown up. Of course, yeah. Right? Because they essentially you're the grandparent of y- your grandchildren children. are their children, right? So um, they've grown up. And, um, you mm. know, like he rightly said, you know, the responsibility of the parents are, you know, obviously to properly, you know, um, train them and, um, you know, properly the upbringing, upbringing do well, the yeah. upbringing properly. Right. Yeah. Um, but the uh, job of the grandparents is just to love them unconditionally. Yeah. Right. They're there just to yeah. to make everything happy, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. To make everything. Exactly. <laughs> so we do have online with us our next guest of the morning, Ruksana Nasser, who is a barrister working as a civil servant in the criminal justice system. She's a mother of three and has three grandchildren. She is also a researcher for the Voice of Islam Breakfast Show. Mm. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Good morning, Islam. Uh, just to begin with, could you please tell our listeners what your role uh, is as a grandparent? Um, well, I have three grandchildren. Yeah. Um, one aged five, one aged five years, one three years, and one four month baby. Hmm. And the role I play is really just to support the parents when needed um, to babysit or give guidance, um, assist in general day to day chores, you know, cooking, and just um, supporting supporting the parents when I'm needed. Um, so it, it's pretty much just an extension of raising my own children, but, you know, obviously not to that extent, just being there when needed. Hmm. Definitely. Um, and um, what role did your grandparents play in your upbringing, would you say? Well, it was my... I didn't have all the grandparents alive when I was young. Um, it was just my maternal grandmother, my mum's mum, hmm. the role that she played in my upbringing was that she was um, just supportive. My mother worked full-time all her life, and the grandmother was there to pick us from school, um, just be there in the evenings, um, and just be like a substitute mother when needed. Hmm. Um, you know, she was uh, a remarkably stoic woman, and um, she was there for us all the time. Um, whenever my mother needed her, she was there. She was supportive and um, uh, literally just you know, being a mum sometimes to mm. us. Mm. And uh, would you say that, you know, the way your upbringing was done uh, through your grandmother, would you say that has affected your own grandparenting style? Well, to some extent, but um, because I, I converted to from being a Sunni at a very young age, my my values have changed, so mm. I passed those values, which are slightly different. Um, my grandmother was a Sunni, and yeah. um, 
I'm not saying that, you know, she didn't have any, of course they had very good values, but mm. I think the focus is slightly different now. Um, and um, I raised my children in a particular way, and obviously as a parent you make mistakes. So I'm making sure that, that my grandchildren are brought up in a proper um, Islamic way. Yeah. Um, and so my, the role of my grandmother yeah. Um, one thing I took from her, which was very positive, was she was a very patient woman. She was very supportive, and she was uh, a very um, she guided as best as she could. So I took that from her that you have to be there for your children and your grandchildren. And we were a very close family unit, and I learned that from her to 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 make the ties of kinship and make sure that everybody is supporting each other and not breaking up. discussing your roles and responsibilities as a grandparent uh, grandparent um, could you tell us from your experience that how the role of a grandmother varies from the role of a grandfather well unfortunately I didn't have a grandfather they all died my my mum's dad died when I was about seven or eight I can't remember now I did my dad's parents died when he was very young yeah so um, but the, the role that I can see that my husband plays as a grandfather hmm. is, is is really um, entertaining them. I mean, when they they when they're here, um, he, uh, he 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 will sit and watch the uh, TV, um, you know, agricultural programs. The lover he'll put the lovers on, um, and they will listen to it eagerly. And he puts on, you know, his programs are educational, um, and uh, you know agricultural in the sense of chickens being raised, horses, um, farm animals, um, lions, tigers, mm. you know, how they behave. There's loads of YouTube videos and those types of stuff. And, and literally just 
being part of the education process, you know, yeah. teaching them, making sure they're watching the right thing. You know, it's important that you're watching the right thing. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, grandfathers are really like an extra bonus. I mean, I think, I think when you have both grandmother and grandfather, then the roles are slightly different. Um, the, the grandmother is more like a substitute mother, whereas the grandfather is more like, um, you know, making sure that they really don't go on the wrong path. I think it's important that you you don't repeat the mistakes that you've made with your children. Hmm. You don't make the same mistakes with your grandchildren, and you learn from that, you know. And then when you see your children making a mistake, you correct them and say, well, no, you know, this is not the way things are done. So it's really just being a supportive parent, you know, supporting your children, you know, raising their children, and, um, you know, making sure that everything is done properly and there are no mistakes being made, but it mustn't be too eager. Hmm. It mustn't interfere too much, you know. That, that is a difficult task, not to interfere too much and not yeah. to be an overbearing grandparent. It's, hmm. it's a very fine line uh, because you're not their parent, you're a grandparent. Yeah. And it's a very fine line that uh, you must cross that line. Hmm. Yeah, definitely, it's, it's, definitely. It's an enjoyable task, yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and, you know, shedding light upon this topic. It was an absolute pleasure f- uh, for having you on. Uh, for now, please take care and have a good morning. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi So that was, you know, uh, Ruksana Nasser, who is also part of the um, Voice of Islam team. And, you know, she shared some lovely knowledge uh, in regards to her being a grandparent as well and how, you know, how she rightly mentioned there is a you know, very fine line that you do not, uh, you know, go against the boundaries set by the parents. But as well, you should always continue to love your grandchildren. Oh, absolutely. So in absolutely. terms of Islam, you know, the Allah the Almighty has commanded us in the Holy Quran that worship none but him and show kindness to parents. If one of them or both of them attain old age with thee, never say unto them any word expressive of disgust nor reproach them, but always address them with excellent speech and lower to them the wing of humility out of tenderness mm. and say, my Lord, have mercy on them, even as they nourished me when I was a little child. In this verse, Allah the Almighty has you know, instructed us to remain kind to our parents even in their elderly years, much like they showed kindness towards us when we were children. It also advises us to um, avoid directing any expression of disgust or offensive language towards them instead of... In, uh, in st- Instead, um, you know, instructs us to respond only with a mild expression. Mm. And this is, you know, not just uh, the teaching isn't there just for parents. Mm. It's obviously for your grandparents also. Because, um, you know, Islam also teaches us that you should uh, treat someone like you would like to be treated. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You don't want to be treated in that way. So don't treat anyone in that way, in, 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 in a bad way. Especially, you know, your, your own family who have raised you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, our, our previous guest uh, mm. also mentioned as well, uh, Ahmadi, that you know he prays um, there's a specific prayer which is mentioned in the Holy Quran for yeah. for your children as well. Um, and you know, we can all we can all do that as well. And that is, uh, and those who say, "Our Lord, grant us of our wives and children the delight of our eyes, and make us a model for the righteous." And that is from um, from uh, Surah Surah Furqan. Hmm. Which is uh, which is uh, chapter twenty five, verse seventy five as well, 
Um, you know, there's other there's other prayers which are which have been mentioned in the Holy Quran in terms of uh, in regards to your parents, in regards to I mean, you just mentioned one as well. Um, there's another one where we where we pray um, during our salat as well, mm. during our five daily prayers. Every single prayer has you know we 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 pray in this manner as well. And the prayer is has been mentioned in the Holy Quran in chapter fourteen, verses forty one and forty two. My Lord, make me observe prayer, and mm. my children too. Our Lord, bestow thy grace on me, and accept my prayer. Our Lord, grant forgiveness to me, and to my parents, and to the believers on the day when the reckoning will take place. Mm. So you know, over here, we, we're praying for our children, we're praying for, uh, we're praying for our parents. And definitely, if we're praying for our children, then we're praying for our wives as well. So we're mm. praying for the whole family unit um, to be established as well. And to be established on these good principles and make us, um, you know, reign to God mighty so that we can actually pray properly as well and accept our prayer also and make us true believers. Now, all of these things uh, are important because, if, you know, if if you have a broken, if you have a broken family, mm. then, you know, it has, a, it has a, your mindset changes. The way that you view um, other people, other people, you know, the way that you view your mother, the way you view uh, mm. women as all, well, it's it, it changes. Definitely. You know, if a pair, if a, if if a father mm. doesn't uh, you know, doesn't treat his wife properly, mm. then his son he's going to grow up. He's going to look at this. It, it becomes an endless cycle, right? Endless then cycle. You, you exactly. do something, for example, if, yeah, like you rightly said, if the father is not treating their children properly, mm. the children's children won't. Treat their own father properly because he wouldn't treat his own children properly. Exactly, and it's just an endless cycle. And uh, you know, some even if you if your parents have uh, wronged you, you shouldn't wrong your children. You should be the one breaking that cycle. Mm. You should end it. You should end it there. Yeah, you should treat them with kindness. You should uh, do proper upbringing, and uh, you know, just uh, make sure that they stay out of trouble. And if they do get into trouble, you know, you shouldn't. Admonish them so much so that mm. they are afraid to turn to you mm. in yeah. times of need. Exactly, exactly. I mean, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that uh, respect your children mm. and cultivate good manners in them mm. as well. So mm. teach them the good things, teach them the good morals, the basics, the mm. etiquettes. Mm. How how do you properly sit down? How do you properly mm. stand up? How do you talk to someone? Mm. How do you converse with someone? You know, all of these good things as well. Helping other people that are in need, and if we if we respect our children, you know, mm. that that's important as well. So a lot of parents don't respect their children. Mm. They they treat them as if they own them, mm. and uh, they don't treat them properly. If they if they respect their children, then their children will definitely respect them. And like mm. you said, you know, His Holiness has also mentioned this uh, so many times as well that you know you shouldn't. You shouldn't just uh, tell your children off for small petty mm. things. Mm. They're children; they're gonna make mm. mistakes. They're, they're gonna, gonna they're mistakes. gonna fall down. They're gonna do yeah. the you know they're gonna you know break you know whatever mm. dishes or whatever. It's gonna happen. Mm. But because they're children, for small things, you you know you shouldn't you shouldn't just tell tell them off all the time because then they're gonna get afraid of you. Then they're not gonna turn to you like you said mm. as well. And a lot of the reasons why family um, some families break apart. Or grow apart as well mm. is because the parents don't like the children; they don't want to spend mm. time with them, mm. and then the, the children they don't want to spend time with their parents, mm. and so 
that gap gets wider and wider and wider, and then to to the point where you know they don't even see each other mm. at a point at important occasions, and then and then you exactly. they end up in old people's homes. Exactly. I mean, mm. ultimately, that you know that's what that's what happens as well. Mm. So, you know, His Holiness has mentioned so many times that you need we need to we need to brief, befriend mm. our our children as well. Your mm. children they need to be your friends. And you need to be their friends as well. Hmm. Yeah, to to some extent, obviously. You obviously, know, you're not gonna be. Obviously, there needs to be limitations as well. Willy nilly, just you know, d- doing the same mistakes they are with them. Hmm. Uh, you need to obviously set boundaries as well. But you need to be with them in a friendly manner. Friendly manner. Treat yeah. them as a friendly friendly manner, isn't hmm. it? Talk to them politely. Hmm. Treat uh, treat them as well. Hmm. Don't just you know tell them off. Don't, don't hmm. just tell them that you know this is be be strict with them. Hmm. Of course, you know there are some. Don't be some too things. lax with them either. Don't be too yeah. lax with them mm. as well. Don't don't get complacent. Mm. Don't get too lazy. Mm. I mean, obviously, teach them the good things as well. Mm. Uh, but obviously, um, be in a way that if they have any problems, they will come to you mm. instead of going to you know other people. Uh, it means okay to go to other people as well. But if they come to their parents first for advice and share their experiences with them, share whatever they're going through with them, mm. their parents will be able to deal with them. Better as well because obviously they understand them, isn't it? Yeah. So these things are are you know very very much important. Um, you know that prayer in the Holy Quran, which has been mentioned as well, uh, which you mentioned, which, which is also very very much important. That Oh Allah, uh, have mercy on you know on my parents as they showed mercy on me when I was when I was young as well. Mm. Um, you know all of these different prayers which have been mentioned in the Holy Quran, they are there. To 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 guide us as well. Mm. Obviously, if the Holy Quran is t- is is teaching us a prayer, then it's telling us indirectly, <coughs> directly and indirectly, mm. that we need to take care of our parents as well. You know, when they reach old age, you know they can get a bit naggy. Maybe mm. they can, you know, sort of get a bit ang. Uh, you know, might, they might have anger problems. Mm. They might, you know, switch. You know, very mm. quickly as well. Mm. But it's important. It's important that we don't. That we don't overlook their, you know, their, you know, you know, their role as well. Mm. It's important mm. that we don't overlook their rights as well. Mm. Obviously, you know, when, when, when children are young, parents take care of the children, mm. and then when the children get older, the parents get get older as well. Mm. They get, you know, they reach old age. Mm. Then it's up to the children to take care of their parents, yep. uh, as well. Um, you know, instead of going through the easy way and then putting them into, you know, other care homes as well, mm. and then. And then not even speak to them mm. for for weeks and then mm. months and then, mm. you know, just once or twice a year. Yeah. That's the, you know that's what happens. Um, you know, loneliness is very, mm. you know, it's it's a dangerous place to be mm. in as well. And and a lot of parents um, who have been, you know, who are grandparents now, mm. um, sometimes they may have lost their partner. Mm. It might just be the grandmother who's living on their own, or the grandfather who's living on their own. And they can get lonely if there's no one there to speak to. Mm. If they're not living with their family, if they're living in old place or you know old uh, care homes or whatever, they don't have their family visiting them or calling them. Mm. Then they, you know, they, they because of that loneliness, they can get depressed as well. And then they might feel as if you know, that's it. I mean, the world mm. is is finished for them. Doesn't matter how much money they they might even have. You know, so just, just the main important. the. The main point is just don't neglect your children. Don't neglect and the your children. Children shouldn't neglect the parents when you know they've hit, hit their uh, hit the old age. Hit the old age as well. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. That's just it. That's it. Um, you know, uh, our guest uh, also mentioned as he alluded to this as well that mm. 
the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mm. <coughs> he was actually taken care because he was an orphan. You know, his his uh, his parents passed away at a very young age, and then the the person who actually looked after him looked after him was actually uh, Abdul Muttalib, um, and he you know he was a grandfather. Yeah, and uh, he you know he took care of him, but when he passed away because he was quite old as well, then his uncle took care of him, Abu Talib, hmm. and uh, you know uh, you know it, obviously because he was an orphan because hmm. he didn't have parents, his parents passed away, um, his you know his grandfather, then his uncle, um, and then he reached an old age or you know a mature age hmm. uh, under his care as well, hmm. and once uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he also mentioned that that. Um, obviously in Arabic he mentioned that he is a prophet and there's no mm. lie about it mm. and I am the son of Abdul Muttalib mm. obviously that being his yeah. grandfather yeah. but he mentioned this as well mm. um, in, in a couplet mm. so this was um, the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him the way that he treated mm. his uh, uh, I mean the way that he was treated mm. and then when he reached old age as well he even took care of his uncle Hmm. He took care of his uh, even his uh, wet nurse, hmm. um, and whenever you know she used to come to Mecca and visit hmm. uh, Mecca as well, he hmm. would you know lay out his uh, his uh, cloth for hmm. her to sit on, hmm. and he would respect her as well, hmm. and he would tell everyone to respect their their elders hmm. uh, uh, as well. So this is you know one of the core teachings of Islam: to take care of your parents, hmm. to, to 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 respect your parents, but obviously, of course, first. The parents to respect their children, and then in return, the children to respect mm. their parents and their elders, uh, as well, isn't it? Mm. And you know, as we were speaking about earlier, you know, in the new segment about politicians and mm. how they're you know running the country down. Mm-hmm. You know, they are in the position they are in. People should stand up in respect when they walk into a room, mm. essentially. But you know, the everyone speaks down to them because they're not doing justice. To the people or justice to their job. Yeah, that's that's why people are going that's on strikes. Why. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. May Allah guide them on the right path. May Allah guide. Yeah, absolutely. Subhanallah. Hmm. That's uh, you know, it, I mean, there are so many things that we can talk about. There's so many topics. Yeah. That we can actually uh, go through as well as we mentioned in the beginning of the show. Hmm. Um, you know, the you know the we're going through a very yeah. difficult time. Uh, people are people are struggling. Mm. Uh, the cost of living is going up. Inflation is uh, on the rise as well. I mean, it's, it's decreased mm. by point two percent, but yeah. still, it's mm. so it's still high, ten point five percent. But yeah, people are you know key workers are going on strike as well. Mm. Um, so it is a difficult um, time that we are going through. But obviously, of course, there is light at the end of the tunnel, mm. and that light can only be found um, through. Allah the Almighty, finding mm. Allah the Almighty as well. Yeah. As you know, when the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, when he was going through a difficult time, when his uh, fa- when his father passed mm. away, mm. Allah the Almighty revealed the revelation, uh, is Allah not sufficient for his servant? Mm. So definitely, we need to turn back to Allah the Almighty uh, as well for mm. all of our uh, problems as well. Now, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, this is uh, actually brings us to the end uh, to the end of our show thank you to all the producers and uh, researchers as well Mehrish Dogger Malahat uh, Ata Adila Amber Ahmed uh, as well as the researchers Nawira Khan Maria Sheikh Safiya Nasser uh, Marjula Ahmed 
um, and uh, and also um, oh, I mentioned Maria Sheikh's uh, name as well. Thank you so much, and of course the tech team. Uh, until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.